Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp on Duck Stream. Alexis Downey here as your host. Great to have you listening in today for episode three. Training camp is underway here in Anaheim, and the guys got back out on the ice on Thursday. And let me tell you, it felt so nice to be back in the rink and feel the energy from the team. A couple of new faces on the ice getting their wheels moving, but everyone seemed to be in really good spirits. Now, with the start of camps, coaches around the NHL shared some updates on their teams. So here's a couple things that stood out to me in terms of news. The Philadelphia Flyers will likely not have Ryan Ellis this season, as general manager Chuck Fletcher shared. He is out indefinitely with no timetable for his return due to a torn muscle in his back. Ellis only played four games last season with Philly after they acquired him previously from Nashville. Gabriel Landeskog will miss the start of the Colorado Avalanche's season with a lower body injury. Now the captain had knee surgery back in March before missing the final 23 regular season games last season, but he did play in the postseason as a part of their Stanley Cup run. And for this week's interview segment up next, ESPN's John Bucci-Gross joined me the other day to chat all things hockey. Bucci has covered a range of levels of hockey and shares a passion for the game that I admire and I really relate to myself. So take a listen. Now, I'm happy to welcome in ESPN's John Bucci-Gross to light the lamp. Bucci, great to have you join me for the first time on Duckstream. Great to be here. Love to talk hockey. Love the Ducks. Yeah, we had Linda on already as uh, my first guest, and so I'm excited to now have your perspective um, on everything. So how was your summer, first of all, though, and did you get much golfing in? No, not much golf. I don't uh, I don't belong to a club currently, so that makes it harder. You know, makes got to make those tee times, get on those websites, and get up early, and so not a lot of golf, uh, but just, you know, the season ended a little bit later than normal, just right around – uh, July of a little place in Florida. So I hung out there for a week after the final, since that's where the cup ended. And then, so you know, July and August, just basically hanging up in new England, Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh, can walk to the beach and just kind of chilled and read. And now I'm can't wait for the, for the season to start refreshed and ready for year two of ESPN's coverage. And you talk about that coverage last season, you were on the call for the iconic Trevor Zegras, Sonny Milano, alley-oop goal in Buffalo, you know, getting to be a part of that in this new era of hockey that we're seeing, what's an iconic moment that you remember from growing up and watching the sport too? Um, you know, probably, you know, certainly Mike Ruzioni when I was 14 years old scored the, uh, Game-winning goal as the U.S. beat Russia to win Olympic gold. Um, you know, NHL, I grew up, my dad's a Boston guy, and I was raised in Pennsylvania and Ohio, so we would listen to games on the radio. I didn't have cable TV until I was about 12, 13, so we listened to games on the radio because we lived near Pittsburgh, and he was a big Bruins fan, like I mentioned. And back then, they had big, powerful radio stations that would come in clear as a day as far as away from Boston and St. Louis, those big Westinghouse broadcasting stations, WBZ in Boston, KMOX in St. Louis. You could listen, like I said, crystal clear. So we listened to a lot of games on the radio. That's a great way as a kid to – 
uh, kind of invent the game in your head. You know, you you hear the words described by the announcer, you hear the roar of the crowd, you hear the announcer describe fights and goals and blood, and it's really an interesting interesting way to to formulate the game in your brain. And to me, it was always a very dark, violent, goth kind of a game that combined like church and with the organ playing and the playing those old big buildings that look like mm-hmm. churches back in the day. Now they look like Walmarts. But <laughs> um, so I thought it was a great, interesting time. The best time to grow up as a hockey fan there. It was so visceral. And so therefore it's just has stuck with me my whole life because it made such an, an impact and imprint in my brain. I downloaded so many of those images and uh, descriptions. And so the game is still lit pretty brightly inside me. And did you have that interest in going into broadcasting then when you were watching as a kid? Yeah, it, it, you know, certainly when I was about 12, 13, and we moved from Pennsylvania to Ohio. And so I, you know, kind of lost all my friends and kind of was isolated a lot. So I kind of, as an introvert, kind of dove into myself and in my house. And I, I started playing with these tape recorders. My parents gave me an old tape recorder and I would kind of just, you know, just make these sounds and do little, and I love music. So I would, you know, turn the sound down on the TV and broadcast games. And because again, those announcers made such an impact on me without thinking about broadcasting, just as a sports fan, they made such an impact. It, it you know, sports was very theatrical to me. It was a huge deal. And then started watching games on TV. I would notice things. Um, and you know, when they changed the graphics, I would notice it. If they changed the camera angle five feet, I would notice it. You know, looking back as I got older, I realized, well, I, I really had some sort of, you know, I was kind of born to do this and like in the production and, and the bigness of it. And then, and so this creating things, you know, like I said, turn the sound down, broadcast, get another tape recorder for Christmas and then play music in one and be a DJ in the other, and then start kind of making these like sports uh, high, you know, using a call, a home run call from a broadcaster that I would describe it. I'd make these like little season long, you know, vignettes on my tape recorder of the stuff I'd watch NFL films and this week in baseball and, and anything else I'd see on TV, these productions, these studio shows and things. And I just, yeah, I started young and knew what I wanted to do from a very young age. Like I said, pretty much 12, 13. Yeah, and you talk about the theatrical side of sports too. Now working in the business for a while, do you still have an interest in like getting your hands in behind the scenes stuff as well and just being a part of that too? Oh yeah, that's the one, you know, and certainly my first jobs in TV, five years on Cape Cod, very, very, very local market, about 912. Um, and then going to Providence, Rhode Island, uh, market 44 for a couple of years at age 28, 29, early 30s. Um, I love to edit. I love to shoot. I love to do everything like that. And once I got DSBN, I, I just never touched a piece of equipment again. So a lot of the, you know, the stuff that I grew up on editing and stuff, it just blew, it just, you know, it, it blew over my head now. So, but yeah, I would love to, you know, I still have these aspirations of maybe, you know, creating a hockey app of some sort, creating content, you know, podcasts like yourself, uh, video sit down interviews, you know, boot you overtime challenge, kind of fun gambling game stuff, uh, the college hockey stuff. And, maybe, and, you know, maybe do a college hockey pod and so i still have those that aspiration of possibly doing that you know know, as long as i'm employed by espn full-time and benefits and all that i really don't have that option to do that Mm -hmm. um they they don't give you the freedom for that so but you know as i'm winding down here and maybe can come up with something as a hockey's back and 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 so i i do have that kind of thought in my head of of doing that because i love the creative and the collaborative uh side of this business 
Well, anyone that follows you on Twitter knows about your Bucci overtime challenge and college <laughs> hockey and all of that. But where did your interest and love for college hockey start? And how did you come up with that name particularly? <laughs> well, again, my parents are Boston, so I grew up with a Boston accent. Oh, okay. and, and living in Pennsylvania and Ohio, as I mentioned, uh, my friends would come over to my house just to hear my parents talk because <laughs> the Boston the Boston accent wasn't a commodity yet. You know, it wasn't on a Dunkin' Donuts commercial and a, and a you know and a, and beer commercials. It just kind of over time it became a popular thing. I don't know what it was. Maybe Cheers and the success of that show. A couple people had Boston accents on that show. They weren't good ones, mm-hmm. uh, but the, but they had that. And then eventually it just became. And Saturday Night Live did skits. It just became the Boston accent is now kind of a commodity. It, it's in so, again when I grew up as a kid it, that wasn't the case. So my parent, my friends just loved hearing my parents talk. And, and so, uh, so that was kind of a, that was kind of a funny, um, funny way to kind of go about. So that's where college hockey comes from, you know, again, uh, the Boston accent of it. So, yeah, you know, I just, um, I grew up obviously loving the NHL with uh, being a fan with my dad. There was no real, um, college hockey around us where we lived. There wasn't even youth hockey, uh, for me to play. I had to skate on ponds and stuff to play. Um, and then my, that job in Providence, I told you about Rhode Island and, uh, they happened to host a frozen four. Uh, one of the two years I was there in 1995, they were the host city. So I went down always, we're always looking for something for the local news to, to mm-hmm. fill the time. And, and so I went down there and it couldn't, it blew me away. The doubleheader Thursday, all the bands in the crowd, people walking in the arena and out of the arena with co- all these college hockey sweaters on some of, which the teams weren't even there. They just go every year. It's like a pilgrimage. And that really left a big impact. And then I, and, and I moved on and I went to ESPN, didn't really probably think about it too much. And then when we lost hockey in 2004, I went to ESPN and a couple of years later and said, hey, can I, can I do some of these? Uh, can I do an NCAA regional here up because they're always two in New England. I said, you know, you're not gonna, you don't have to pay me anything. It's just part of my job. I'm a salary guy, so you get a free announcer, and I'll drive to the game. And so I just started doing that in uh, probably 2006 or seven, and then it, it reached a point after doing it for five, six years and starting college hockey on Twitter. Just a fun little goof that kind of, uh, kind of blew up a little bit. And so then I asked to do the Frozen Four in 2013 to be put it in my contract. I was in negotiations and said I want to, I want to put that in my contract. As I say, I'm the voice of the Frozen Four, so you. That guarantees you to do it and they did it and that's when i started doing it in 2013 and so i'll do my 10th this year in tampa in tampa florida and so it's been a real fun again it's just been that's what's cool about hockey you know started with nhl and then it kind of you went local high school when i got my first tv job a little bit of college when i went to providence brown and providence college friars just getting highlights and like, like i said experiencing that frozen four coming to espn and then my kids start to play hockey at a young age my boys they're all grown now and then getting this college hockey so i've kind of touched every every single point of hockey from youth to Olympic to USA hockey to NHL to college. So, and then my kids, you know, a couple played high school and prep school hockey. So uh, I've kind of touched every, every angle of hockey. And so as a result, I've experienced it and love it. And and now that I get to do it, my job after a long mm-hmm. sabbatical, 18 year sabbatical, it's been what a blessing yeah. and been so grateful for and all the juice and adrenaline it's provided me. <laughs> And then obviously calling NHL games and then calling college games. I mean, what is the biggest difference between the two? Obviously, in the style of play is a little bit different. But just from that perspective, like how fun is it to call a college game in comparison to? 
It's uh, it's great. I mean, obviously, the Frozen Four games are the best games. You know, the regionals aren't always really well attended. You know, uh, it's kind of sparse crowds because they travel, you know, far distances. So some of the fans will travel, but not a lot. It depends. You need you need to get lucky with a matchup, someone nearby, and maybe a team that travels well. Then they can have some juice. But for the most part, it's the Frozen Four games, the nine that I've done with full NHL arenas. I um, mean, you know, I still grew up, you know, as a little kid with the NHL. That was always the ultimate. It's still the ultimate. It's the greatest hockey league in the world. Um, there's plenty of skill in college. It's not about it's it's a fun watch mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun and mistakes are fun because mistakes make for good hockey and and some zany moments so uh but no when, when i do an nhl game you know last year was the first year i ever did one yeah i did i got the i got assigned to do opening night seattle's first game in las vegas game two of our opening night doubleheader and that was the first nhl game i ever did and i'm doing the opener on espn's return to hockey and with a kraken's first game ever and so i was like mm-hmm. that's this is uh so every time I get a chance to do, I wish I could do more. It's really all I want to do now um, is do play by play. That's what gives me the juice and the adrenaline. Um, the studio stuff is good and it's fun getting to know people and working with people. But, you know, it's later at night. It's small. It's in small spurts. You got to keep, you know, gearing yourself up. OK, here we go. We're on TV after sitting around, you know, eating candy and drinking <laughs> bread bowls all night waiting to go on. So you really got to focus and concentrate and realize, OK, there are people watching. Anybody could be watching. And so you got to you got to go. And so that's harder. So I just love doing the games and looking forward to another year of doing them. I'm doing the first game at Arizona State, which is going to be really cool. I'm doing John Tortorella's debut two days after opening night as the Flyers and Devils both open on ESPN Plus. So I got a couple cool games you know kind of mixed in there which a uh, little event games within mm-hmm. a long nhl season and of course last year i had the zegras goal which you know went on to be one of the most watched pieces of video of all mm-hmm. time in nhl and i was the one who got the call that's what's so cool about doing play-by-play you start to document history and you're part of history forever when someone plays that goal sought full that's my call you know mm-hmm. and so that's real that's really cool to, to be a part of it that way it, it gives an impact and a, a purpose and a bigness that, like I said, going back to a little kid and recognizing that as at a small age and kind of being lost, whether it was Wimbledon or the U.S. Open or a World Series or a Stanley Cup or a Super Bowl or an NBA championship, I would get lost in that drama and theater and it, it would just envelop my whole body. What kind of snacks do you like to keep up when you're waiting for those late games if you're hosting or maybe something that you keep in the booth before you call games? I like chocolate. Chocolate gives me a nice, quick, boom, happy, you know, just burst of happiness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, chocolate at the game, it's probably certainly, like I said, a little Red Bull. Actually, I actually even more effective. Are the, you know, I like to go to the gym. I like to work out. And so I like these pre-energy workout drinks that you buy at GNC and stuff, you know, little eight ounces of water, put one scoop in. And that stuff is like, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't have a lot of caffeine. I don't drink soda either. So when I, my body, when it gets that stuff, it responds with joy and happiness and, and, and a lot of energy. So I started to travel with that. And if I can find some locally in a GNC, I'll get one of those and try to drink it like half hour before the game starts. And then it, it, you know, it, it fulfills me the entire game and stays with me. Not great drinking 400 milligrams of caffeine at 6 p.m. because then I'm up at one in the morning having my fourth bourbon. So which is it's real. And, and so now I'm drinking a, a depressant. So now my body's having a battle inside itself, caffeine and, uh, and bourbon going at it toe to toe. But uh, yeah, so it's a. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of that, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, you've traveled- had a good nap. I love oh, naps, naps. Are important those pregame naps. I know they a lot are. of players would agree with you too. 
Yeah, I, I basically live a hockey player's life, you know, because <laughs> it's game time and, and you go and then you kind of wind down at night, especially if you have a good game. You're all wired up. So it's hard just to go to sleep. And, and so we talk about the game and you, and you can I, 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 I can get up whenever I want to get up. And then and then you kind of go to the gym, get a big workout in kind of like they do and then come have a nice big lunch, usually a steak or something. And then, boom, look for that little two hour window nap. I don't really sleep that long, but I'll read and I'll mm-hmm. kind of then slowly doze off anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. Really is about the best I can do for a nap. But just that it's kind of it's kind of a reboot. You know, It's like unplugging the computer, let it sit for a while and then put it back in. That's that's basically what just laying down and you know dark and quiet. Just don't try not to think about anything. And then, you know, we're looking at our phones all day. We're deluging, deluging ourselves with information, especially when we have a game, trying to remember names and numbers and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's good to have that. And I, I need that. My body kind kind of sinks anyway from four to six it's like okay i'm done and mm-hmm. so i re- i just re- i just recognize that in the set of you know being up and making mistakes or operating heavy machinery and not doing it well i just, just i decide i'm gonna get to find a dark cool place and just meditate and chill and hopefully doze off a bit do you have a favorite rink that you have gotten to go to <laughs> Uh, in college, it's probably Michigan. Yoast is just, they did a great job with the refurbishing of that. Um, NHL rinks, you know, you know, and any place with a buzz, you know, Boston has a great buzz about it. Um, you know, Vegas was a great experience opening night last year, unique, nothing like it. I really like, call, I called a couple of Toronto, Tampa Bay playoff games in Toronto. You know, Toronto such, you know, it's Canada's New York financial mm-hmm. center, big city, beautiful, big arena. And I really liked it. I, I did Calgary and, and Edmonton two games there as well in the battle of Alberta, but I really like the juice and the vibe of Toronto better. The two games I did there, I know people kind of, yeah, I know most people, as you know, um, kind of slobber all over that battle of Alberta. And, uh, mm-hmm. maybe part of it was part of it was, I think Calgary's arena is a dump. It's just an old beat up car. They need a new one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Toronto just, I don't know, something about it. And the angst helped too. you know, two time defending champs and the angst of Toronto fans who can't seem to win a playoff series, uh, despite having maybe the best player in the game right now in Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. So that was probably part of it, but I don't know about Toronto in early spring, you know, and, and the weather's starting to pop after a long winter. You guys don't worry about that where you are, but, <laughs> <laughs> we do <not>. out here. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm adjusting to the sunshine. It's been so That's nice great. coming from Chicago over here to SoCal. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, you know, I, I have a place in Naples, Florida, which I try to get to as much as I can, and hopefully, you know, that's going to be my home. It's the only home I own. I just uh, <laughs> so uh, eventually, I want to get down there myself and uh, do my play-by-play, and then I can fly to games and fly home from there. But for now, I got this little <laughs> studio gig in Connecticut, like, so I got to be up there as well. Well, I know you spent some time in Vegas also for the media tour, and I'm sure there were a lot of guys that you got to talk to, but do you have a favorite story from the tour? It's just really cool. It kind of goes back to your college hockey question, and like I said, just starting that as a goof one night, just put a hashtag on there. Uh, me and Scott Van Pelt used to hang around talking Boston accents a lot when we were doing Sports Center before he got his own show. And Scott's a great mimic. He's really a great impersonator. And like I said, I grew up with the Boston accent, so I know how every word is supposed to sound. I can identify people who can't do it well, so it's ruined many movies for me and many TV shows <laughs> when people don't do it well. It's like, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin in The Departed, terrible. Leo, in and out, terrible. Matt Damon. Obviously, he grew up with it. He knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg knows how to do it. So those are those are those are perfect. <laughs> so yeah. So just it just so throwing that out there and then having that kind of uh, take off a lot. And then us not having hockey. Twitter was a great 
just a great bridge for me from the Bucci Overtime Challenge, which was another goof, and college hockey. And then uh, suddenly, you know, it turns into a hat and T-shirt company that I sold over a million dollars worth of merchandise just because of the stupid little Twitter hashtag <laughs> thing. And a lot of these players, you know, Zegras and Matthews, you know, they start getting on Twitter when they're 12 years old and 13 in middle school. And they're kind of so they're kind of following me on there. Had I been on TV and not on social media, they I wouldn't probably have had the same impact. So when I go to these things, like when I go to the media tour and I haven't met a lot of these guys uh, because we just got back into hockey. So mm-hmm. they're all coming back up to me. They all knew who I am. You know, a third of the league is college. So, you know, there'll be a, kid, a guy who plays Canadian junior, maybe, you know, whoever, Nick Suzuki or somebody, they don't know who I am. But all the college kids, Bucci, Bucci. So it's, <laughs> it's always like really cool. It's a cool moment. It's like, wow, they're so warm. Someone can give me a bro hug, you know, which is, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't ask for it, didn't expect it. But it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. They, they've been since they were 12, 13 years old. I've been a part I've been a part of their lives on their phone, you know, with mm-hmm. the Bucci over time. In fact, Matthew Barzell, the Islanders, who I never met before, um, walked up. And he goes, Bucci, I used to play Bucci overtime challenge all the time. It's like, <laughs> wow, that, like, that just kind of blew me away. It's just, you know, it's, it's such a silly thing to me, a, a, a funny goof. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, yeah, so that whole college hockey thing, it's really it, as we reentered into the NHL ESPN, it really gave me an avenue for a third of the league um, who grew, who, who played college or at least thought about playing college, you know, Matt, you know Matthews didn't, but he was an American kid. He thought about it. Um, then that played in Switzerland after, uh, you know, after the U S team. And then, then he went to the NHL. Um, but, uh, so yes, yeah, so, so that, that's the cool part about that. Just the warmth and, and it makes me feel great. It's just so nice. And they're all really good. I, 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 I kind of kid people. I consider them all like my fourth child, my third son, you know, I got three kids. They're all grown now. I started young. And so as they're all, I, I want them to do well. I want, I try to take care of them. I try, you know, I want them to, I push them a little bit. I, so it's like, they're all like my, cause it, they would be, they're all about the age of either my youngest or right around it, you know, a little bit older or a little bit younger, but in the ballpark, you know, so I really want to be there and, and see them do well. And, uh, you know, looking ahead to this NHL season, which team do you have your eye on as we get closer to the puck drop? Well, I have to keep my eye on all 32. You know, I call games. <laughs> Very true. I host. Yeah, I host the point, which is a uh, which was another blessing last year. You know, way back in the day, we had NHL tonight. The only place you could watch NHL highlights in the late 90s. You know, there was no Internet video yet. Certainly no iPhones, no phones with video. So you really had to watch that show to see goals. And that was my introduction to a national level in America and Canada. Some people in Canada got illegal cable just to watch NHL tonight or satellite dishes. That was cool. <laughs> So that, you know, it's just to be a part of the world that way back in the old, uh, you know, standard definition TV world, pre-internet video world. And then to get reintroduced now where we do this show called The Point, it's more like a magazine style E60. We do great features, talk about the game an hour long. And this year it's going to be on from six to seven, which I'm really excited about last year. Time yeah, six, seven Eastern time. And as out there, three o'clock for you guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, I know you guys, it's four o'clock starts for all your Eastern, your Eastern time zone early games. And so just, I think it's a better time. We used to be on, we're last year on at one or two or three mm-hmm. ESPN two, like, you know, no one's going to watch a hockey show then. So I like this time people are home for dinner, at least again, here in the East and, and they're going to think about the game they're watching and boom. Oh yeah. And they might get in the habit. Oh yeah. ESPN two every Tuesday has an hour long hockey show. And so I have that too. So I kind of focus on everybody, but there's certainly, 
these stories, you know, um, you know, I, like I mentioned, Austin Matthews, I just tweeted out. That I think this over under for goals is 69 and a half. Like I really do think he'll, he'll get 70 goals this year. Like wow. I think he's in the prime prime of his life and he's, he's the leading goal scorer uh, that there is, you know, Ovechkin's going to hit 800. That's an amazing number. Only Gretzky and Howell have done that. He's 20 goals away. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think most of the interesting stuff is in the Western conference. Um, you know, certainly the battle of Alberta because of the big trade Calgary made losing, you know, Goudreau and Kachuk and, but gaining three other players. Are they better? That's a fun topic. Um, certainly McDavid's in the prime of his life, the game's best player the last five years. He now has a, certainly a team that has a chance to win the cup. You make your legacies in the postseason. Um, you know, the Pacific division that you guys are all in is real. I think really the most exciting, strongest division that there is are the Kings on their way. It seems like they're on their way up. Um, uh, Vegas is weird. It's like, what's going on with Vegas? Could they be terrible? Could they possibly be good? Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I'm really intrigued about the Ducks. I'm a, Pat Verbeek was an old friend who used to work on NHL tonight, been working under Steve Eisenman. So he has that red wing playbook. And um, obviously what Zegris and you guys provided us last year on ESPN plus and me personally was something I'll always be indebted to it too. But I really, I really love the look of Zegris and McTavish. I'll be watching a lot of duck games. I kind of, it kind of dawned on me before we went on as I wanted to prepare myself to be somewhat interesting is uh, I, I kind of look at McTavish and Zegris as like Zetterberg, and Datsuk for the Red Wings. Okay. Now, last year, now I, I know I'm pretty bullish on Trevor. Right? And I, when I sat down and talked with him in Vegas, again, I was, I was kind of like his dad. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm Trevor. I, people are out there selling Zegers stock, and I am buying it all. Like, I believe in you. Like, I believe you can become a Pablo Datsuk 200-foot with those hands, if you're good on offense, you should be good on defense. You should be great in face-offs. You should be great uh, takeaway with the stick. Those hands should be used for defense and offense. And he and Trevor's so young, and, and Zatsuk didn't really start get, to get going until he's like 27, 28. I mean, Trevor's way ahead of the curve. I, I'm really bullish on him as a player. I think that people look at him as a flaky clown, and I look at him as a legitimate big high-impact guy with McTavish being that real sturdy Canadian kid, Trevor kind of the loosey-goosey American kid. I love the combination. I hope they become friends. That's important. But it just kind of – even last year at that Buffalo game – Part of our pregame, I told our producer, like, I, I want to compare uh, Zegers to Datsuk and what he does mainly offensively and just the stupid stuff he did. That was a big focus pregame. And I even said during the pregame on the air, this is probably going to raise some eyebrows, but to me, he is that. And then he goes out and scores that amazing goal. So <laughs> it couldn't have worked out better. And then he puts the, then he puts the headset on after the game for an interview. And he goes, Bucci, I saw you at Tim Hortons this morning buying a donut, but I didn't want to bother Classic. you. Again, Classic. Yeah, again, I had never met him. I never, but again, that's the kid who grew up. He mm-hmm. went to college for a year, the college hockey. It just kind of gave me an in, which makes it fun and help make, and also makes it effective. My employer sees that. That mm-hmm. gives me some value. You know, <laughs> Maybe they'll ha- have me stick around for a, another contract or two. So all that stuff all that stuff works again it, it started as a goof and it started just out of interest and I just, I just like to make things fun you know I was the kind of guy in college who would rank the intramural basketball teams like a USA Today poll you know and, <laughs> and, now, uh, now and you're put doing it, on, it for college hockey yeah <laughs> and put it on the cafeteria door and just people loved it they, oh, they couldn't wait for those rankings to come out every week and again I, I've always again that goes back to being a kid and making things seem bigger make them seem more important that's why I put intramural rankings on the cafeteria door that's why I did 
the college hockey ring, just to give those guys some attention. Those men and women, you know, they, they really have they play in a lot of uh, anonymous situations when it comes to hockey. They already have masks on as it is. So you can't even see them. So uh, and then they don't get a lot of attention with TV. And it's getting better now. Yep. And but in the old days, there were no games on TV and very little. So to give the women's rankings and the men's rankings and just there's more just to give them attention and also to force me to follow the sport. Because once I became the voice of the Frozen Four, I wanted to make sure I wanted I wanted to make sure I was fully invested. Because so many times you'd see a guy wheel in, do a broadcast with a college he hadn't watched all year. He might have memorized three of the three or four of the best players' names and nobody else. I want everybody's names to be said. That sixth defenseman who makes a DD pass to his partner, if his parents are home watching in Saskatchewan or wherever they are in the world, they're going to hear their son's name. Like that's important to me. That's why I want to learn all the players' names when I'm doing these Frozen Four games and to. Uh, and so their parents can hear their son's name or daughter's name if I get to do the women's frozen form, mm-hmm. which I haven't yet, but I hope I do. <laughs> it really makes a difference, too, for you also when they eventually some of them get to that next level as well, just remembering how they were in college, too. No doubt. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, you get a head start on on, on how you know, your opinion of them as a player. Are they are they really a good player? Are they kind of perimeter guy. Do they have heart? Do they win a championship? You know, What were your early observations of them? as they make that bridge. So you're right. It's a, it's a great thing to have. Like Ray Ferraro has been calling the world junior championships uh, up in Canada. So he has a great investment in all these young guys. He, he even more than me, cause me, it's just American college kids. He goes over there and sees a Swedish goaltender, Slovakian left winger. And he can, he can refer, I'm back in world. This guy was a really good player in the world junior championship two years mm-hmm. ago. Watch out for him. So yeah, that's, that's important part of the job. In any job, you want to have depth. I've always said I want I, wherever I get my brakes fixed. I want my guy who fixed my brakes to go home at night and and read a brake magazine. Like he wants to be the best guy <laughs> who fixed brakes in the world. So it's our job to watch games. It's part of our job to watch games. Like when you know, I, I, I'd listen to some of these radio call-in shows, and you can tell a guy, the man or woman, might get stumped by a question or a certain sport or something. No, our job is to watch games. It's the you know we have to read every article that we can, and we have to watch games, and that's because you know our job is to be an authority on the subject. So yeah, the college hockey stuff, kind of an accidental easy homework to become an authority on that, and and the like. That that that's part of this job, and and I enjoy it. That's the thing. Like I enjoy the homework. It's stuff I'd probably do anyway, even if, even if I fix breaks. I'd be, you know, I'd be, I, I wouldn't be that guy reading the break magazine. I'd be watching the hockey games probably. So I think I got the job I should have had. Well, with all of those games, you touched on it earlier, Torts' game coming up in Philly yeah. this season. What's it going to be like seeing him there? I mean, you know him also, I'm sure from working with him. So right. what, what is that going to be like? Yeah, it's going to be cool. You know, again, I'm, I'm glad I got it. I, I like the, you know, I, I, lo- I love every game. But like I said, when a game has a little bit of bigness to it, you know, I, I, I want to do as many playoff games as I can. I wish I was doing an opening night in L.A. We have a Vegas L.A. game, too. Um, but so that's going to be cool. We, I know a lot of people will be watching. Certainly all the Flyers and Devils fans will be watching because it's an, an exclusive game. It's opening night. So it'll have that opening night feel, which is cool, like baseball opening day. So I'm glad at least I got to do an open, a true opening night game for both of the teams. And, yeah, I mean, getting to know towards, you know, texting with them back and forth um, was a lot of fun last year. He, he texts me now once in a while. I'm, I, I sent him a text saying, hey, Torts, I'm doing your opening night game uh, <laughs> against the against the Devils. He goes, no, I'm not doing any during the game on the bench interviews. I'll eat the fine. 
<laughs> so it's so funny. So he probably won't. But uh, but yeah, so to be able to, t- to talk about him, we'll probably show a montage during the open of his best moments on ESPN last year. He was a great analyst. He was probably our stickiest analyst. What he said, he went viral three or four times. Um, so I really was hoping he would stay in TV and be a TV star. Um, but I think he wanted one more big coaching gig, one more big contract, his bridge contract to retirement. And uh, it's a huge challenge. That team is in a mess. The organization is a mess. And uh, it's not the most ideal thing. But, you know, four years, 16 million, he gets that no matter what. And it's a, I'm sure he'd love a big challenge because if he turns out around, Philly's a great sports city. It's a great hockey market. They won their two Stanley Cups very early in their existence in the mid-70s. They won back-to-back 74-75. Uh, beat my Bruins in 74 when I was a seven-year-old kid. It took me a month to get over it. Um, <laughs> Eight-year-old kid. So uh, i never forget that. And um, so, yeah, so it's going to be great to kind of uh, document towards – you know, get the great camera shots. He's very expressive. He's a very expressive Italian. Oh, yes. He doesn't, he doesn't hide his thoughts. So it'll be very good, good TV. And like I said, it'll be, it'll be fun to be a part of a big broadcast like that. So I have to ask, will the chicken parm dinner be on him then when you go there? I know, really. You know, he he had mentioned um, I'm going to try to get in early the night, the day before, because okay. I'm driving down to Philly. So I'm hoping he might reach out. I'm not going to reach out to him. I wouldn't do that. You know, it's he's going to be obviously mm-hmm. nervous to open it, but it would be kind of nice um, if he kind of gets a hold of me. Hey, Bush, let's go out Wednesday night, day before the game. I got a spot or night before the game. You know, I'll get down there Wednesday. We get there, but the day before we arrive, as you know, uh, to make sure you get traveled and get to the city where you have to go. And then you stay the night. And then the game is the next night. And then you leave the, the night after that. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to drive down actually, because uh, my son has a college golf tournament nearby as it worked out in Pennsylvania. So it worked out great. I can go watch him play. Um, it's not a long drive from, you know, from mm-hmm. Connecticut to Philly. It's like three, four hours. So if, if it's close like that, if it's five hours and, or less and there's no direct flight, I'd rather I just drive. So uh, I'm doing that there. So, yeah, I hope Torch reaches out. It would be nice to break <laughs> some bread because Ferraro is my analyst. So to have Ferraro, Tortorella and Bucci Gras, it's like a Godfather scene. <laughs> don't, don't have your back to the doorway. You know, make sure you can uh, make sure you're looking forward. <laughs> Well, I have to ask, have you had any chicken parm meals out here in SoCal? Uh, let me see. I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't have, not knowing, you know, I covered the Ducks final in 2003, the the Ducks Devil series, uh, Paul Korea, cha-cha-cha, and uh, that great series. But I don't think I was smashing parm out there yet. Um, L.A., did I, last year I went to L.A. and called a game. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't. What, what is the, what's the Southern California parm like? Have you had any? I haven't had any yet, but I was going to yeah. say, you know, if you're here this season or whenever you're in the area next, uh, we will have to get you some. Yeah, for and sure. I, I yeah, will I, be in I, on trying it for sure because I'm still fairly new out here. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I don't have any. I'm, I I have my schedule out through the All Star game. Um, I don't have any uh, Ducks games, uh, so I'm hoping after the All Star game I can get out to Anaheim because I didn't get out there last year. Had your game in Buffalo, um, but didn't have not been able to call an Anaheim game yet. So I'm hoping, like I said, either a schedule change or post All Star break, I'll be able to get out there, and then we will. Uh, We'll find it. I'll find a place and the parm will be on me. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, you'll also have to come into our Korea studio here in our offices. Uh, we have a gl- piece of glass that we'll have to have you sign as well. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Like I said, that, that 03 final was special. Korea was, uh, again, a college hockey guy from Maine. Um, uh, you know, it was an amazing series and it was kind of cool. I was at one of the Ducks games and the, the NHL TV guy at the time, John Littner, 
was a good friend of mine and he was up in the NHL suite. He goes, Hey, Bucci, come on up here. Mike Myers is up here. And I was doing, all, I, and I did all kinds of Austin power stuff on NHL tonight. And, and so I go up there and I meet him and he couldn't be sweeter. And Meg Ryan's up there too. So I got to meet Meg Ryan. So I kind of, and then I come back after the series over, that's when I wrote my hockey column on ESPN.com, wrote one for about 15 years, a weekly column. And I wrote about meeting Mike Myers, what a sweet man he was. And he was so nice and blah, blah. And then about a month later, I get this package in the mail, this little box and I open it up. And first of all, there's like, you know, stationary Mike Myers. He goes, what Paul McCartney is to the Beatles, you are to NHL tonight. You are my, you are my God, your, your hockey servant, Mike Myers. I, it's the sweetest thing, little note. And I, and I still have it. And I, then I reach down. still have it? <laughs> I still have. Yeah. I'm not a big saver of things, but I say that. And I reach into the box and there's an action figure of fat bastard, the old Austin Powers <laughs> character. And he signed the, it's, you know, it's like the plastic when he buys an action figure at, at the toy store back in the day. It's covered. It's, it's yeah. there in plastic. You can see through it and he signed the outside of it to Jackson, my son, who I talked about how much he did Austin Powers imitations and, and Jack's grown up to be still a very good mimic, a funny kid. He goes to Jackson, your dad's really cool, Mike Myers. <laughs> and so, you know, I, now most people would probably keep that and like try to make, you know, but I actually, I opened the package carefully and I gave it, hey, Jack, play with fat bastard. I mean, it's a, you play with stuff. I, I believe in using stuff, you know, no, don't just put it on a wall or shelf and, and look at it, use it. But I did, I did keep the package. I also still have the package to Jackson. <laughs> Your dad's really cool, Mike Myers. So that was a, that, so awesome. my, my, yeah, so my, my memories of Anaheim are very sweet from that series in 03, interviewing career on the ice after he got, had got knocked out and his visor fogged up. It was the most amazing piece of video uh, to me, top three in NHL history. And then he comes back and scores the winner. Um, and they, you know, I'm out there in the middle of the ice. Um, interviewing Paul Korea after the win. And, these, and the fans had these little rubber ducks, these little yellow rubber ducks that you'd probably put in the bathtub with a kid. And they're throwing them on the ice and they're bouncing around. And I pick one up in my pocket and, and I still have it to this day. You know, 19 years later, this little rubber duck someone threw on the ice. And those are little moments that I like. And so Anaheim, you know, between that and then Trevor Zegers, I don't know, maybe me and the ducks were meant to be. You know? <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> A lot of duck magic. Well, thank you so much for joining me for the first time on Duck Stream, Bucci. Yeah, it's a great, I, I love it. It's a great idea and uh, good luck, good luck with it. And uh, looks like you guys are trendsetters. Hopefully we'll see you this season. Anytime. Sounds great. I've always been a fan of the Bucci Gras Overtime Challenge. So make sure you check it out on Twitter. If you have not participated in it, do it because it's so much fun and it really connects you with a lot of hockey fans on that platform. And since I had the chance to catch up with Bucci, it's only right that this next segment is my interview with Trevor Zegris this week. What you can't see and what you should know is Z rolled up to the interview on a mini ATV, just like we'd expect in Z fashion. Here's more. Here at Great Park Ice for Ducks Training Camp, I'm Alexis Downey, now joined for the very first time on DuckStream by Trevor Zegris. Trevor, how does it feel to be on DuckStream for the first time now? Electric. Great environment. <laughs> I rode in on my bike over here, so I'm having a good time. <laughs> I wish people could see what it looked like, but maybe we'll get that video on social. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I heard you wanted your own show, but we're going to have to start with this. You're going to have to talk to me for a little bit, but hopefully we can get you your own show at some point. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. I'd need to have a, I guess, co-host of Max Jones. I feel like he'd really take this over and I'd kind of just be on the side. So I think it'd be pretty funny. I think we can make that happen at yeah, some point. Absolutely. So how was your summer? Awesome. Spent some time with my family back in New York. Um, and then the month leading up to the season, I was in Michigan training and skating with a couple of my buddies from there. And 
now I'm back ready to go. So I'm excited. I saw you got to spend some time with the Hughes brothers. Yep. What's your relationship like with them? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, obviously, I play with Jack at the U.S. program and um, got to know their family really well and Quinn and Luke. And um, yeah, I pretty much spent a month there kind of skating and training with those guys and it was a blast. Any good stories from that? Any good stories from that? Definitely not for Duckstream. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> yeah, on, on my own show, we'll talk about that. <laughs> now, yeah. I asked Troy Terry earlier about his wedding, and he said that, you know, the Vegas wedding wasn't quite as good as his actual wedding when you married them in Vegas <laughs> to now the actual wedding in Vail, and you got to be there for that this summer. How yep. was it? I can honestly say the wedding in Vail was much better than the <laughs> wedding in Vegas. Um, I think actually that might have been my first wedding I've ever been to, so it was awesome. Really? Yeah. Probably a good start. <laughs> Great start in Vail. A couple guys got altitude sickness, so Max Jones. I heard, I heard Max Jones did. <laughs> Missed the wedding. Just going to put that out there. Uh, so also I heard about your dragon that you had that you recently donated? Yeah, he's at the library. I'm not sure which one, but... Um, when I find out, I'll let you guys know. How, how did you acquire a dragon? I think I went to PetSmart last year and uh, these two little guys, they were pretty much like giving them away and they stick them on your chest and you just feel bad. And then obviously ended up with dragon. So you're easily convinced. <laughs> easily persuaded. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's good that he's found another home. Yeah, it looks like they're gonna be taking care of him. Probably better than I was, so <laughs> probably better off. So into this season, you have a new number. You had the signing event over mm -hmm. the weekend. Uh, what, what was that like to see all the fans out again and get ready for the season? Yeah, it was nuts. I honestly didn't know what to expect really going into that. And I think it was a thousand people and did, sold a lot of jerseys. So it was uh, great for the organization. And obviously it, it was awesome to kind of feel that support and uh, pretty excited to get going again here for the season. What was the most unique thing that you got to autograph? Um... Me and Jamie, we signed a wheelchair. Uh, Jamie was holding babies. Uh, <laughs> I signed somebody's shoe, somebody's arm, I think. So <laughs> some weird stuff, but all good. And now speaking of the community, I heard last year about the Make-A-Wish Jackson Lewis Rodriguez back in New York, yep. you know, the impact that he has had on your life. Do you still stay in touch with him as well? Uh, kind of. We sent him out the first 11 jersey, so he's going to be rocking the 11 now. Um, and I think he's coming back for a game this year, so I'll be excited to see him. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, you get to connect with him still. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So heading into training camp now, what are you most pumped up about? To get going again. I feel like it's been like a really short summer, but I feel like I haven't played a hockey game in a long time, so uh, ready to get going, I think, on Sunday. Yeah, certainly a very busy summer for you. Also getting the EA cover, too. Yep. How awesome was that to be there? It was crazy. Um, obviously, it's a game I've pretty much been playing my whole life, whether it's my pops or with my buddies. And um, I guess to get the opportunity to be on the cover was something I really couldn't pass up and um, excited to do it for sure. All right, Trevor. Well, we can't have, wait to have you back here on Duckstream again this season. Thank you for joining me. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. It's time for my final quack, where I leave you with my last thoughts before closing up this episode. And since you heard from Bucci earlier, I need some help in finding the best chicken parm restaurant in Orange County. Tweet at Duckstream or you can tweet at me at Alexis Downey underscore with your recommendation so I can be ready when Bucci comes to town. Thank you for tuning in to Light the Lamp today. I'm Alexis Downey. Make sure to come back again for more NHL talk right here on Duckstream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duckstream.